under newborn assessment, we look at the low risk newborn. We look at what are those things we want to like take to the bedside, to the bedroom, to the bedroom table to assess the newborn. Uh, it is very paramount to understand the functions of the body parts and everything a newborn baby has to come with. We have to understand the newborn body parts anatomy. We have to understand uh, what nursing care can we perform for a newborn. Um, the first thing we'll do for a newborn, what's the first thing we'll do for a newborn? What's the first thing? We have to understand what we are doing in these situations. If we say one in the end class, if it comes in the end class, you're going to be confused on what answer you're going to give to it. A new baby is is uh, is being uh, is being cared for, and the nurse pick up the bulb syringe to suction the baby. What body part would the nurse suction first? A. Nasal passage. B. Oral passage. C. Pharyngeal passage, and D. Uh, 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 uh rectal passage or rectal route now you have to understand what exactly you want to pick for these answers because if you do not know what you're going to pick you might pick the wrong one so you suction the mouth which is the oral passage for the newborn because when they are born they are considered oral breeder so they breathe to their mouth if you suction the nose or the nostrils they're going to alter the fluid and they can cause complication for the airway they can have airway compromise so you suction the mouth first before you suction the nose and other body parts that contain fluid in those cavities so um we do that we do the apgar scoring the first thing we do apgar scoring is one thing the next thing we do we do physical assessment um of the newborn body parts we check all those reflexes um, we we'll check the symmetry of the body parts. Then we we'll go ahead and do the ballad score, uh, the the new ballad skill, which is the gestational age assessment. We we'll look at the newborn vital signs, the measurements, and we look at the weight and gestational age, and we we'll do other diagnostic procedures and other things for the newborn. Those are the basic things we do for newborn when we have a newborn, uh, we'll have a newborn delivered. So I'm going to start with the APGAR scoring. Now the APGAR scoring contains five domains. Um, so the APGAR scoring has five domains. The APGAR scoring ranges between zero to two. Zero means it is the worst. One means it is between or moderate. And uh, the two means it is at its best. Meaning the findings are well, they are good. And it is what we are looking for. That's how we do the APGAR scoring. Now for this APGAR scoring, um, 
We want to understand few things about the app guys coming. Now, I want us to keep making notes on the main points. When I say let's focus on this point, meaning it is the point I want you to remember for this particular section. For the app guys coming, I want you to remember every part of the app guys coming. That's one. Two, I want you to remember what time do we carry on an app guys coming. And I want to remember the, the sum, the findings. There are three categories of findings in Abgar scoring that a nurse who going for the NCLEX needs to understand. For the Abgar scoring, it has five domains. Now, you have the heart rate. We measure the heart rate. We measure the breathing rate or the breath rate or we call the respiratory rate. We go ahead and measure the muscle tone. We measure the patient, uh, the patient reflex irritability, their reflex irritability, and we measure the color of the newborn, coloring, color coding, uh, the color coding. Now, for the heart rate, um, if it is zero, meaning it is absent, there is no heart rate. If it is one, that means there is a heart rate, but it's less than. So you have zero, you have one, and you have two. If the heart rate is absent, it's going to be zero, meaning it is absent. If the heart rate is present, but it's less than 100 beats per minute, meaning it is, meaning it will be one. If it's above 100, meaning it is good, meaning it is what we want to have in the Afghan screen on the heart rate. Now, the next thing is we look at the, 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 the rate, the breath rate. If the breath rate is at is, is absent, it will be zero, meaning it is there is no breath rate. Um, if it is if it is if if, if, if there is a breath rate or breathing, but it's very slow, patients having weak cry, they are crying very weak, it will be one, meaning this will be slow or weak cry. If they are breathing, they are shouting. They are crying because the cry of the baby, it is the audible symbol or the auditory symbol that we hear and say, oh, baby is here already. If you, if you work next to a nursing and a, a delivery unit or a labor unit, once the baby is born and that cry has not occurred, you still worry because the crying gives us the impression that the baby is well, baby is kicking well, baby is in good condition. That's what makes us happy as labor nurses or as labor, as labor attendants. So if the baby is crying well, hard cry, strong cry, good cry, that means that's number two. Then we have the muzzle tone. Now the muzzle tone is, now this is about flaccid. If the patient, if the newborn has a flaccid muzzle, uh, like polio patient where you have the legs, everything flaccid, if that's flaccid, they're going to be on a zero. On a here, it's flaccid. If it is not, if it is, um, if, 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 if the extremity is working but not vigorously moving, if, it's, if there is no flesh on extension well, like baby moving the arm like this, if that is not occurring well but it's occurring like slowly, that will become one on a here. If there is good movement of the extremities, they are well flexed, well flexed towards the body parts. They are not flaccid, meaning that's well flexed, meaning it is good.
will be under two, which is excellent. Then we have the reflex irritability. If there is no reflex, they will have zero. Meaning there is no reflex, they will have zero. If they are having grimace or they are, they, they're having those grimace and other things, grimace is not, it's not really good and it's not really bad. So it's between. So grimace will come to one. And then if they are crying, we are hearing their voice shouting. That means it is good. That will be placed on a two, which is the most excellent grading for the Abgas score on a, or on a reflex irritability. The last is the color. Now, this color coding, it comes in the N class a lot. For the color, this is the color of the baby or of the newborn. Now, this color has body parts. If the baby is blue, or pill is zero because blue means what cyanosis or pill if it is blue or pill meaning it is not a good sign blue is bad we want to see pink so blue is bad and pink is i want to say if it is blue or pill it is zero now if the body parts let's say for example we have mixed body we have, we have the trunk and the extremities. If the trunks, if if the body part is pink, and uh, the let's say the trunk, if the trunk is pink, and the extremities are all pale, meaning it is one. So meaning the trunk is pink, and the the arm and legs are pale, meaning we'll give them one. If the entire body is pink, that means Baby is having good circulation. That is two under the color coding. So these are the five domains that you want to understand each area, what each number stands for, and how can we measure the Abgas scoring. Now, after we've done with this, we have to calculate everything. And the Abgas scoring can be done at two points after delivering the baby. Point one, is done one minute after delivering the baby and is done at five minutes after baby delivered or being is delivered now so if we calculate all these numbers in the end that will give you a case scenario a baby is born on a liver wall baby heart rate is absent baby breath rate is slow the baby muscle tones is flaccid Baby, whether uh, uh, the reflex with the baby, there is she, uh, the baby is grimacing, and baby color, the trunk is blue, the extremities are pink. They will give you these different assessment or tools to work up and give an answer. What would the nurse do for the baby? Now the nurse needs to calculate those points they give in the question and have an answer. So if we calculated everything that you have in the test, let's take for example, um, if you had between zero to three, if your answer, you calculate everything you did, your answer came to zero to three, that means this baby is in severe distress. There is a severe distress that need more attention. Now, if it is between four to six, meaning they are in distress, but
but it is moderate distress moderate distress 46 now if the baby is at least above 7 to 10 meaning there is minimal or no difficulty with adjusting to extra uterine life meaning they are doing well so between 7 to 10 is what we need meaning there might be minimal or there is no problem in the transition between the intrauterine life to that of the extra uterine life because baby fight to gain independence outside the uterus that's why we have to give everything we have to to transition to have a smooth transition between the intrauterine life and the extra uterine life those are things we have to do under here so I will remember this uh, color coding is important and uh, the entire Afghan score. I will remember these uh, numbers. 0 to 3 is distress, severe. 4 to 6 is distress but moderate. 7 to 10, they having no distress or they have a minimum, 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 which is not a problem. So these are things I want you to remember on the Afghan score. Any question? I'm a little bit confused. I told when you prepare grandma, it's a bit two, but you said one. You said? I said I'm a little bit confused. I told you when you prepare grandma, it's a bit two, but you said one. No, it's one. When they cry, it's uh -huh. two. Oh, okay. When there's a grimace, it's, it's one. If they are crying, it's crying one to hear, meaning it's two. Now, then you will need uh other tools to do like the bob syringe you need a bob syringe to suction the baby mouth and the nose you need a stethoscope to use to evaluate the heart rate of breath you need those things those things will other things you need you need the skill to weigh the patient whether it's pounds it's in, it's in ounces it's in grams you need that you need the tip root to measure the to measure the test the hair circumference the chest circumference and the abdominal girth. Those are things you need for the tip root. For the tip root, uh, for the tip root, um, <clears throat> you gotta make sure you measure the head from the occipital to the frontal. From the occipital bone to the frontal bone, the tip root is placed around that location. That is a margin. Oh, not for your ankles. From the occipital to the frontal to the frontal bone you gotta make sure you do that and for the chest circumference you begin at the nipples of the baby chest the, the, the two nipples and then you go to uh, you go to the abdomen you go above the umbilicus for the chest circumference is the line is placed at the two nipples to give you a perfect and an accurate measurement for the abdominal girth you have to um for the abdominal girth you have to measure it above the umbilicus for the chest circumference this for the abdominal for the chest circumference 
it measure above up oh, sorry the the between the nipples the tip who is placed between the nipples to give you an accurate chest circumference these are things we look at for the newborn now <clears throat> look at the abdomen it should be rounded um the umbilical cord should have two veins and one and uh, sorry one vein and two arteries it's always what we call um, two AV. Now, uh, two AV meaning that they should have at least uh, they should have two um, two arteries and one vein. Two AV. Two A means two. They should have two arteries. The V means they should have one V. So these are things they want to have when uh, you are doing uh, these assessments. You want to make sure they have muscle tones, which is on our abgar score. There is a reflex reaction. There should be a moral reflex. There should be, um, you look at the suture lines. There should be fullness or bulging for sutures. Look at uh, the frontal and the and the uh, occipital um, sutures. Look at those area to see whether they have everything in there that they should have when it comes to the uh, the frontal nail, the anterior and the posterior frontal nail. Look at whether they are pressing, whether there's any abnormalities. If there is any abnormalities. You want to make sure you notify the doctor on those abnormalities. You want to make sure you assess the gestational age. Um, is done on newborns within the first forty-eight hour after birth. So we measure the newborn's gestational age. The first forty-eight hours after birth, we have to go in and measure the newborn's gestational age. Um, look at the birth weight. Because many a time, uh, a newborn death can occur when those gestational age, or uh, when, when the gestational age is not matching the newborn. Those things happen. SGA can can occur. Like small gestational age can be some of the factors for to have newborn mortality. We want to make sure we look at those things. Then we have the new ballad skill. The new Ballard skill, new ballard skill. Now, this new ballard skill, um, it helps to 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 rate the newborn's maturity when it comes to neuromuscular and physical maturity. How well they are mature physically, their body part, and how well their nervous system is active and working for. Other things in the body you want to make sure there are six ranges which, which is not, not going to it's not really important just you just know what the new ballast skill is that is important the next thing is you look at their physical maturity or what, what like their skin and other things look at the skin texture what they have lanungo which body part have these fine hair located on the body, you gotta make all those notifications when you are chatting when the baby is born. 
Um, then we have a few words that I want us to remember for the end class. These words, they have definition and they have um, margin. First one is the LGA, meaning large for gestational age. When a baby is LGA, large for gestational age, that simply means uh, baby width um, is higher than 90th, 90th percentile. Their width is higher than 90th percentile. Now, then you have um, SGA, small for gestational age, meaning SGA, small for gestational age, meaning that the baby is lower than 10 percentile. That is the width is less than 10 percentile. Um, low birth with babies, low birth with babies are babies who weigh less than 2,500 grams. They are less than 2,500 grams at delivery. Their width is lower. Then when they are, uh, when they are, um, large for gestational age, meaning they have an increased birth weight, meaning that their, their weight at birth is above 4,000 grams. So the normal birth weight for babies is between 2,500 to 4,000 grams. That's the normal birth weight for a newborn baby. Anything above is too large for gestational age. Anything below is too small for gestational age. Um, we also look at preterm. Any baby born before 37 weeks of gestation is preterm. Any baby born after for the for the second week of, of, of gestation, that means you are post-term. Um, gotta remember these things and know what are the most risky complications that come with this problem. Baby who who are post-term, they can have placenta insufficiency as the greatest complication that uh, that might risk them. Any question? Then, uh, for vital signs, we want to make sure we check the birth weight, uh, the birth rate, the temperature. We check. Um, the heart rate those are important things you want to check for for the baby uh, you want to make sure you check first you do, which one you check first when you want to check the, you want to check the baby vital sign which one do you check first let's do it in sequence drag and drag yeah we have Temperature, we have restoration, we have the heart rate, we have the BP, we have the pulse oximeter or the pulse oximeter or pulse oximeter. We'll test those things. Which one do we check first? Drag and drop. Any test question? Let's go. Number one. What do we check okay. first? Okay. Uh... We're gonna first check the, respir the respiratory. Okay. 
we check the breathing that's one then we're gonna go we're gonna move up to checking the what can you mean can you move on again we're gonna we're gonna move up to the uh, heart rate the heart rate then we'll do the temp the temperature no, we do the pause. The pause? Yeah. Mm -hmm. After the pause, then we do the team. Then we do the BP last. Mm. So after the heart rate, mm -hmm. you do the BP. The BP? Because if, mm. you, if you touch them, they start to cry for a long time, it might affect the blood pressure. So you check uh, the, the restoration. The heart rate, the BP, the temperature, then you can do the pulse ox or do the pulse all in between. This is the sequence to which we we'll do this because you can do the first one without touching them. Just watch them do that. You can do this heart rate with minimal contact. If you're not using electronic heart rate monitor, you are using just your using the manually this will cause minimal contact this like, will create more more crying, uh, more yeah, contact yeah crying gonna affect the bp but crying can affect the term in the post of exactly so this remain the last okay so that's how the sequence of the virus sound can be done for newborn babies i hope we remember this for good now then after that we move ahead now let's go back what's it what was the normal breath rate for a newborn normal breath rate look at the breath rate for a newborn between five and uh, what is it five pounds no i mean breath rate breathing or uh, 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 restoration Restoration. Yeah. Um, okay, but newborn thirty to sixty, right? I hope right. you remember this thing. That's one. Now the next thing, what's the uh uh <clears throat> so for them they will breathe between thirty to sixty breaths per minute with short period of apnea, meaning they will sooner they will pause without breathing. That's what they can do. Um that is normal for them. And uh, they will have rapid eye movement during their sleep cycles. They will have period of apnea that will last longer than 15 seconds, or uh, then like for 10 seconds. Any any sleep apnea, they're going to have more than 15 seconds. It should be evaluated. Now I repeat, and they might have sleep apneas or apnea with this breathing pattern. That would be less than 15 seconds. If this is the case, this is normal. Now, in any situation wherein this is more than 15 seconds, it is abnormal. That means it needs evaluation, meaning the nurse needs to contact the HCP. So, in the end, they ask you: a newborn baby has a breathe. He breathes between he breathes at 45 breaths per minute, and after the first two breath cycles, he has an apnea of 10 seconds. What's the nurse immediate action? A says call the doctor, 
B says keep monitoring the patient. C says uh, elevate their bare hair. D says call the mother. What will you do? This will be keep monitoring because this is normal. If it's above 15 seconds, meaning it is it requires uh, more assessment, it requires intervention, meaning you have to call the HCP to look at what's happening. Um, what's the normal heart rate for newborn? Normal heart rate. It's between uh, six, uh, it's 60 to, let me see, one, 120, uh, one, 100, or 160. Okay. So it's one to one to 160. That's a normal heart rate for babies. Now, um, anything below 100 requires serious intervention. They might have with they might have something like called 102, 103, 104, 104. That's that's okay. But when it drop below 100, meaning what like a look at it more keenly. I want to make sure um the range can depend on the activities. If they are crying, they will have closer to, to 160. If they are relaxed and sleeping, they might have closer to 110 or maybe less than like a hundred. Like between 100, 100 up war. Um, yeah, and some when they're crying, mm -hmm. when they're crying, they, they, they go up to 180, you consider normal. Yeah, so so depending on the, the level, they can also fluctuate up to up, up, up to 10. Yes, up to 10 above what they are having. Now, um, what about the BP? What's the normal BP for a newborn? Newborn blood pressure. So the BP for the newborn is between 60 to 80. For systolic, for diastolic, between 40 to 50. 40 to 50 for diastolic. Normal BP for newborns. Now, um, then the temperature, we want to make sure temperature should be less than 98.6, which is normal temperature. Um, sometimes it can be between 36.5 and other lower than that. Now, but the newborn has a risk of hypothermia and hyperthermia until they have body fats stabilized. Other than that, they will have this fluctuation. And one of our concerns for newborn is how can we regulate their heat monitoring when they are born. Those are our concerns for newborns. We want to make sure if they are chill, meaning they're having cold stress, want to, or they're having that means that there is O2 demands can be increased and they can easily have acidosis in those conditions uh, in those periods. We want to make sure we provide for them adequate and uh adequate and accurate monitoring and management when the newborn is having this problem um we make sure we look at the skin they might have other skin 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 discolorations which are very important for the ankles they will have different skin discoloration look at the skin because we are doing the physical assessment looking at every body part, the skin, one, 
they might have what we call the malia m-i-l-i-a the malia is a small raised white spot a small raised white spot found on the skin um that is present like uh, mostly on the nose the chin and can also be found on the forehead i want to remember where this can, can be found on the nose they can be there are small wet spots found on the nose on the chin and the forehead and on the forehead there you can find this skin discoloration um these spots they do not need treatment the malia disappear spontaneously they do not need treatment they can disappear by themselves so they do not need treatment now i'm saying this you got to know which one of these skin description needs treatment which ones do not need treatment the malia appears on the forehead the chin and the nose they do not need treatment they can disappear and you should not squeeze them do not squeeze them because they're going to Go, go away by themselves now i want you to go to google and look at how these spots are how how do they appear in the end class they might bring these spots as pictures and it will ask you to tell us what you see in the picture or what have you seen in the pictures so look at it and know what they are then you have the mongolian spot the next one is the mongolian spot these Mongolian spots, they are purple uh, spots, meaning they are purple in this or uh, in discoloration. These ones are white, these ones are purple, and they can be mostly found on the shoulder, the back, and the buttocks. They are found on the shoulders, on the back. And on the buttocks of a newborn they are like on the black spot like you see a baby lying down in this position trying to crawl um, she the hair up and you see this this black spot on their buttocks somewhere you see like this like a like a brain like a some description you see on the skin the skin like something like wasted on them that creating that dark spots on the body part or on the body on the shoulder on the back or on the buttocks now for these mongolian spots they are present on most newborn who have dark skin um be sure the parents are aware sometimes parents can say the child was abused or the child fell down that's why the spots coming on them so we have a newborn on this part of the newborn the first thing you do is you make sure the mother or the parents of the newborn be notified about these discoloration right at birth um document location and the present for these spots then the next one we have we have one we call the talent the talentitatic nervy the talentitatic, the talentitatic nervy. Now, 
these ones uh they are all called stocks bytes they are stocks by s-t-o-r-k stock bytes that's how they are called they are simply referred as the, as the stocks stock bytes now these ones they are flat pink or red in discoloration they might be flat they are flat they might be pink or red i want to remember this color description the color codings the locations of these birth or skin marks are very important for the anklets i want to remember them very well so you have um these can be found on the neck the nose the upper eyelid and the middle of the forehead it can be found on the nose can be found on the upper eyelids can be found on the on the neck and on the forehead um they stay with the baby until two years of age so they wouldn't disappear until two years at two years that's when they started genetic nervous begin to what disappear now it's good to remember this thing like how we are seeing it because they're going to come in the anklets and you might see them then we have the last two the last two are the the fourth one is called the flamous nervi or the nervous flamous n e r v u s flamous f e double f e f l e m m e u s now the nervous flamous um, it is what we call the port wine stain. Meaning it appears like a port wine, a port, P-O-R-T, the port wine stain, meaning port wine stain something. The color you're going to see when there's a port wine stain, a cloth, or a linen, or a cloth. That same color, that's how the color of this flamers will appear on the body of the newborn, on the newborn skin. Um, this can be sometimes uh, it's also called the capillaris angioma. Um, you want to look it up and know how, how it appears. It can appear in purple, red, and in variety of different shapes. It takes different varieties of shape. Does not come in one shape. Um, it's commonly seen on the face, and when you touch it, it does not blanch. That's one thing about them. They do not blench when you touch them on the body part. Now, they do not disappear. They stay on forever. So for this uh, nervous flamers, they stay on the body part forever. Then the last one is the erectima toxicum. The fifth one is the erectima, erectima toxicum. Toxicum. Now, the erectima toxicum is also another skin discoloration that is also called erectima neonatarium. It's also called erectima neonatarium. Now, this erectima toxicum, it is pink rash that appears, uh, it will appear abruptly on any body parts in the first three weeks it is commonly called newborn rash you'll see it coming on the, it will be on the forehead on the inner body part it appears that just in group for the first three weeks 
after a certain time, then it disappears. Uh, for this, just not need treatment, it goes away by itself. So these are things you look out for this skin disorder. And of course, you're on the skin. Then we move to the head. For the head, there are a few things I want to remember for the head. One is uh, hydrocephalus. Hydrocephalus. Um, and you have microcephaly. Now, very small head, we call that microcephaly. Very small head. And a very large head is called, with fluid, a fluid-filled large head is called hydrocephalus, fluid-filled. Now, for these conditions, um, the hair circumference, a normal hair circumference should be, um, be should be less than four centimeter. Uh, it, should, it, it should be at least around thirty-two. Now, for the hair circumference, um, <clears throat> how do we know it is hydrocephalus? Or it is microcephaly. Two things can give us indications. The first one is, um, if you're not sure by looking at it physically, you will see that the child is having just looking at the body proportion and that of the, the hair circumference. You know what they are having? Small head or big head or hydro or, 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 or micro. Now, if you're not sure, do the hair circumference and do. The chest circumference and get the difference. Now, the difference between the head and the chest circumference should not be more than four centimeters larger. Now, if you do the head and the chest circumference, the difference if it's more than four centimeter in measurement, that means this child has hydrocephalus. So you measure the hair circumference, the chest circumference, is the difference in the head is above four centimeters. That means they are having hydrocephalus. Now, if you do the hair circumference, and now the difference between the two is less than or equal to 32 centimeters. If it's less than 32 centimeters, meaning this child is having microcephaly. Let's remove this, this, uh, this, 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 this margin very well. Now, um, you check the anterior frontal nerve. You check the posterior. If it is depressed, meaning there is de there is dehydration, palpate the suture linings. If it is bulging, it might indicate increased intracranial pressure. These are things. You want to make sure you check for the babies. Now, then we have two more conditions of the head. Now, the third, the fourth head condition would be the third one would be what we call um, kypot succedinum. Kypot succedinum. And the fourth one is called cephal 
hematoma. Now, these things are easy to remember because the name, the names will give you an added meaning, an advantage in understanding what we are talking about. Now, um, the word hema, hema, the word sifa or the prefix sifa and toma, these are different people that have different meaning. Just by seeing them, it gives you an other meaning of what you are seeing. Now, under here, let's start with carpot succedinum. Um, it is a localized swelling. That's one I want to remember. Carpot is localized swelling of the head. Um, this swelling is due to head pressure pressure from the from the pelvic area during delivery. The head will lay against the pelvis, and there will be some friction. That pressure and friction that is caused between during delivery can cause carpal succedinum. Now, for this situation, it resolves by itself three to four days after it occurs. So this dissolves by itself three to four days, meaning when a child is born, they're gonna have this uh, localized swelling on the head, but it goes away in three to four days after delivery. And this does not require treatment. Now, in this situation, there is no treatment. There is no treatment in here, that's one. Another thing is the swelling under here. The swelling can cross, it crosses the suture line. It can cross the suture. Now, what does this mean? This simply means, if you look at the score, so the skull has these bones. So you have this bone, it's a temporal, this the frontal bone, this the parietal bone here, and the body is the occipital bone. Now you have these different bones on the head. So this is the head, this is the frontal, temporal, occipital, and the parietal. Now, for the caposuchidana, if it occurs, that means the swelling Take for example, if the swelling occur around a temporal area, the swelling will cross another suture line. Sutures are the division between two skull bones. So the division between two skull bones is what we call suture or the joint between two skull. Because between the temporal and the parietal, there's a joint there. That joint cannot move. That is an immovable joint. That's what we call the sutures. Now, those suture lining. In the case of carposocidano, the swelling will cross over to different skull bone. That is, if the swelling occurs here, it will cross over to this bone, to two or three bones of the skull. Meaning, it can cross because it is just the tissue that is swollen. If the bones are affected, it wouldn't cross the suture linings but because it gets a soft tissue so when it gets swollen up it crosses the suture lining so in caposuchidinum it is a localized swelling that is due to pressing of the head on the maternal pelvis during delivery that's, that's what we call the caposuchidinum it, it crosses the suture line it goes away in three to four days it does not require treatment there is no blood in there it's just 
tissue just swollen. That's why it is required no treatment. Now, for the Sifa hematoma, meaning there is blood in in the head or blood somewhere on the skull. Now, this is this is where we have come to look at the problems in here. In Sifa hematoma, it is once you get a war him h e m him mean blood. That means there is blood collection. There is blood collections between the periosteum and the skull bone. What's the periosteum? The periosteum is the covering that is what covers the skull. The bone itself, the bone, the cranial cavity, what covers the cranial cavity is called the periosteum. It is that membrane that covers up the cranial cavity. Now, in the case of cap or sifa hematoma, there will be blood piling up, blood will pile up between the skull bone and the periosteum, which is the membrane that cover up the skull bone. Now, that's the reason why in sifa hematoma, the swelling will not cross the suture lines because it is not in the tissue. It is between the periosteum and that of the wire, the skull bone. So, Engler's point is, in carpal succidanum, the swelling crosses the, 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 the suture lines. In Sifa hematoma, the swelling does not cross because it contains blood. It is formed between the skull and the periosteum. That's what happened in here. Now, um, this is due to traumatic birth, such as the fetal head against maternal pelvis in a prolonged the labor that will lead to delivery that will be assisted by either a forcep or a vacuum. So this can be seen most commonly in vacuum or forcep delivery, wherein there will be some force placed on the skull to extract the baby which will leave some blood or hematoma between the skull and the periosteum what is important here to know is that this appears in the first to two days after birth and uh, it resolves in two to three weeks so it takes more time two to three weeks to be resolved Sometimes they might give treatment to help to absorb the blood from the hematoma very fast, which is not, which cannot occur in the case of a carpal succidanum. Any question? Any question? Now, then we move ahead to the eyes. The eyes should have symmetry in the size and shape. We cannot have one eye ball smaller than the other eye. The two eyes should be equal in the shape, size, and other things that should be equal. Um, we should make sure um, the canters are equal, one third distance apart, both eyes. Because when it's 
when the, when both eyes are closer, that could be a sign of Down syndrome for newborns. Now, the eyes contains rare reflex. The newborn should have the rare reflex. And acts of the rare reflex signify eye condition. So they should have the red reflex present at birth. It's good. If it's absent, meaning it's not good, it signifies eye condition. Now, the ears should be um, examined for patency, and the ear should be aligned. There should be an imaginary line drawn through the inner ear to the outer channel of the eye, like from here to here like this. If it's above or below the inner corner of the eye, there is a problem which needs um, evaluation. Cartilage should be firm and well-formed. There should be lack of cartilage prematurity. The newborn should respond to voices and other sounds. Inspect the ears for skin tag. So a newborn can hear and they can respond to voices. Let's note that for the anklets. Um, and other things like uh, the chest. Look at the, look at the, um, the nose. They are. We said for the for the newborns, um, they are obligate nose breeder, and do not develop these responses, uh, until they are born. So when they are born. The moth, um, they respond to that moth with the, they can have some nasal obstruction until after three weeks. So, therefore, a nasal blockage can result in flare of the nares, which can cause sinusitis or aphexia. So, newborns need to clear their nasal passage. That's why the newborn can sneeze to clear out that nostrils. To begin breathing, um, the mouth should be checked. The lips should be symmetrical. They should have the sucking reflex at birth. Um, they should have not much sal uh, salivation. They should have skinny one. If they haven't too much salivation, it is not a good sign. It could be a sign of some chromosomal problems. Um. They can have on the gums, the white things on the, the white ball on the gums, we call the Epstein pears. They can have it on the gum. The Epstein, E P S T E I N, the Epstein pear. Now, the Epstein pear, um, this, that should be, that can be on the tongue. Um, they are they are normal findings now the reason i'm going through these things step by step is for the newborn assessment we have to know the normal finding or the expected findings and the abnormal findings in the end class we have to know that's why i went through all those skin problems from head to toes know the normal findings or expected finding for newborns and know the abnormal findings. It is very much important to know those things. Now, 
The tongue should move freely, should be symmetrical in shape. The tongue should not be protruding. Any protruding tongues at birth for a newborn is a sign of Down syndrome. The palate should be soft, should be intact. There should be no spacing, no fistula in there, which can be a sign of allo cleft palate or cleft lips. Um, the gum should be pink. The tongue should be pink. There, sometimes there are some gray to white patches in the mouth on the tongues. For these gray to white patches, they might have gray to white patches. They are not normal findings. They signify that the patient is having trust or we call moniliasis. Moniliasis, which can be treated with antifungal medication like a nastatins and other and other uh, and other, uh, and other medications. Um, they they can, they can also be called uh, so they can be caused by candida abicans. They can be acquired from the mother vaginal secretions at birth. So when the mother has infection, other vaginal infection, the child can come out with these white packets on their tongue. Do not move them with any hard surface because it's going to bleed a lot. Um, for the neck, the neck should be short, thick, the skin folded, no webbing. The chest should be barrel-shaped. It should have the diaphragm. Nipples should be prominent, well-formed, and symmetrical. The breast normally can be 3 to 10 millimeter. So when they are born, they're going to have these thick breast nodules, meaning the breast will be uh, well-defined between 3 to 10 millimeter. That's a normal breast elevation for a newborn. Um, then the abdomen should be there should be the umbilical cord, you, you, you should see it vividly. It should be with no odors. Um, it should be rounded, dome-shaped for the abdomen. Bowel sound should be present. After birth, it takes 15 to 20 minutes to have bowel sounds present. These are important things for our end. Bowel sounds come in 15 to 20 minutes after birth for the newborns. Um, then, check the rectal, oh, sorry, uh, the, uh, check the rectum, or the anus, should be present, should be patent, it should not be covered. Sometimes it can be covered with like, like a hymen, you gotta go in and pierce the hymen to have access to the anus. Look at that mainly. Um, there should be meconium. How long can we wait for a, for a newborn to pass meconium after birth? How long? After birth, how long? So 24 to 48 hours is the normal time frame to pass meconium. If they do not pass meconium in this time, then they need assessment. So, if you look at the female genitalia, it should include the labia majora and the manora. 
is you have the clitoris and they are usually edematous at birth. Sometimes, the f uh, many at times, the females uh, neonate will have a little bit of stain of blood coming up from the vagina after birth, which is normal. Um, it can be caused by maternal pregnancy hormones, which is an expected findings. They're gonna have hymen. Hymen is the is the thin shield that covers up uh, the inner part of the, of the vagina. When the child is born, that is present. It is normal. They should pass urine within 24 hours after birth. If it did not pass urine within that time, they need monitoring and assessment. Um, the urine should have uric acid crystals will produce a rustic color urine for the first couple of days. So those are normal things. So if the child is born, they will have uh, rust color or rusty urine. A few days, which is normal, it is not in the big tube because that's the first urine that is coming out of the bladder. So, the bladder is like being cleansed up by fluid that the child is taking the breast milk by the breast milk that can cause urine to be very yellow or gold color, which is normal. Um, look at the extremities, they should be symmetrical, flex. The newborn should not be extended. Extension for the newborn is not a good sign. They should be flexed. Um, they should click. No click should be heard when they are adopting their hips. If you are hearing clicks, check for hip dysplasia. There should be glute, the gluteal folds. What's the gluteal folds? They are buttocks. This is a newborn. Um, they have a buttocks. This, this is the gluteal folds. The legs come down here. This gluteal fold should be symmetrical. If one is lower, other one is higher, it shows some sign of deformity. This could be developmental hip dysplasia, which will require more assessment. And we can do what two tests can be done to assess uh, this, uh, this uh, developmental hip dysplasia. What two tests, what two tests can be done? There are two tests we do on physical assessment to check for developmental hip dysplasia. What two tests can be done? We do the bylaws and we do the auto lining, auto linings test. If it's present, if it's positive, what do we do? Now we've we we forgot we've forgotten these things, and it is important that we should not for, forget these things in the ankles. We did the musculoskeletal system for the newborn. We talk about all these things. We talk about what can you use when this when a child is having this dysplasia. So go back and look at those things. Um, those are things you look at. Any question? So for these reflexes. We'll start with uh, the sucking and rooting reflex. That's the first one. The first one is the sucking and rooting reflex. Sucking and, root, and, and rooting. Now, we have to, you see, in the end class, please, 
You have to read these things. You have to read and know them for the anchors. Do not go to the test guessing. Because sometimes, even when you have done everything, you still go to the anchor, you still have problems. So when you are reading these materials, you know the level at which you are at. You know that whether you are good or not, you know. So, when you are reading this material, before you want to learn strategies, you have to know the content. And these are the content that you want to know for your anklets. You have to spend more time looking at these things. Spend a lot of time looking at these references. It is very important. The sucking and the route and the rooting reflex, um, we check it by striking, by stroke, by stroking the cheeks and the air of the mouth. We stroke the cheek and the air of the mouth. When you touch them with any object for a newborn, they move their head towards that object. If you come here, they go, they go towards the side that you are stroking. So this is how we elicit the sucking and the routing and the rooting reflex. So the newborn will turn the head to the side at which it's being touched. If they can do that, meaning the sucking reflex or the rooting reflex is good. If you touch the lips or the side of the mouth and they cannot move their head towards that side, meaning they do not have good sucking or rooting reflex, which will require more assessment this reflex it comes at birth and it disappears in the in like three to four months so it comes in so put breath to three to four months so it comes at birth and leave three to four months you want to make sure you read like how do you, you put illicit e-l-i-c-i-t illicit you put it from me you put it on Stroking mouth. So you have this. You know. You know what is it? You know when it appears, when when it, when it disappears. Number two. It, the next one becomes the palmer grabs. The palmer. The palmer grabs. Palmer grabs reflex. What is it? Um, it is examined or it is elicit by placing an object into the palm of the newborn. The newborn grabs that object very tightly, meaning they are having good palmer grabs reflex. If they cannot grasp it, they cannot make a fist with that object in their palm, meaning they do not have good palmer grabs. That means it requires uh, assessment. Or it could be the finger of the examiner or fingers. Now, it comes in at birth and it leaves it leaves between three to four months. So it comes in at birth and also the same timing, three to four months. It disappears. The third one is the plantar grabs. The plantar grabs. For the plantar grafts, this can be illicit. It can be uh, you, 
uh, or you can get to this by placing your finger at the base of the toes the newborn will respond by curling the toes downward so you put your fingers at the toes and they will curl their finger down their toes downward if that happens then they have a good plantar reflex if that's not happening meaning they, they do not have good ones meaning it needs it requires further assessment it comes in at birth up to eight months disappear the fourth one becomes the moral reflex um the moral reflex for the moral reflex we can do the testing by allowing the head and the trunk of the newborn in a semi-sitting position to fall so we have <coughs> we have them we hold them on the side <coughs> they lay back we act like they want to fall so we we will lay them back and either go to the leave them to fall now at that point in time they will extend and then abduct their arms and elbow like a C. So they will abduct A, B, D. When they'll carry their arms away like this. They'll form a C shape. Like they want to fall. They will carry their arms up. If they can do that, they are having good moral reflex. So the C shape of the arm. If it is okay in C shape like this, they want to fall like they want to like jet to fall, meaning they have good moral reflex. If they do not have that, Meaning, they do not have good moral reflex. It requires more assessment. This occurs between birth to six months. Now, you don't spend time on these things to know them. Then we have the next one is the tonic neck reflex or the fencer position, which I'll give you an assignment. So you will do. The tonic neck reflex, the tonic neck reflex, that's one, that's an assignment. You would do the Bambiski reflex, the Bambiski reflex. Three, you would do um, the stepping reflex. So go in the same sequence I've been using to tell you about these reflexes. Look at the Bambiski reflex and tell me how do they work? When do they appear? When does this appear? Any question on these reflexes? Newborn taste. Vision. For the vision, at birth, the newborn is able to recognize objects. Um, meaning they can focus on objects like at least 8 to 12 inches away from their face. So they can look at that object for their vision between 8 to 12 inches. And that's why it's the same vision, the same distance between the mothers when, you, when, when, when they are positioned to, to, to breastfeed. is the same distance from the mother face to the breastfeeding position. It's 8 to 10 8 to 12 inches. So that's how distance they can see when they are born. So they do not see beyond that. Now, 
Um, their eyes are snitted, are snitted to light, so they prefer a dim lighting. The pupils are reacted to light, and they can blink uh, very fast. They have track high contrast objects and prefer bright colored patterns. So newborn prefer bright colors than dark colors. Um, the term newborns can see objects as far as 2.5 feet within two three months and they, they, they can discriminate colors. So at in two to three months they can discriminate color. And if it's a term newborn, they can see up to 2.5 feet for new for term newborn, four term newborn, not premature. For hearing, like I said, they are they hear sounds um just as other will hear sounds. But you have to drain from the ear the amniotic fluid, so like I said, they can begin to hear. They can begin to start to hear sound. They can begin to hear sound. The newborn can exhibit slender hearing, meaning they can hear only voices that are familiarized with their hearing. So the mother voice or the caretaker or the babysitter voice is what is used to their ears, and that's why even when they are crying, sometimes when the mom comes around, the mom talks gonna stop crying because the voice that they've heard is familiar to them for touch they have textile sensitivity the few touches from those who care for them mostly and uh, for taste they can taste and prefer sweet to salty sour or bitter so they will want to get everything that is that's why their medications uh, syrup, Alexa, or other things that contain some sweetener in it. So they prefer those things. For smell, um, the newborn have a highly developed sense of they smell very well. They have a good sense of smell. So that's why you make sure um, you always keep their environment very good with good odor. So, so they can smell their parents. They know the they know the the, the, the the order of the caretaker that they used to, so those are things that they can sense very fast. Um. So you want to make sure all these things are in normal range. Under here, we do some more laboratory tests for the newborns. We check for the blood and tap matching when they are born. The razor status if they are Rh positive, mom is negative. I will take. The 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 uh, the, uh, the rogam the rogam D medication do the hemoglobin the platelets hematocrits the glucose what's the normal newborn blood glucose level hmm? so the normal blood sugar level for a newborn is between 40 to 60. Um, you want to make sure do the red blood cells, the bilirubin, the leukocytes, all can be done for the newborn. Any question on these newborn assessments? Any question? <laughs>